0: Good morning, and if you are a regular listener of the Saturday Morning Podcast here on Thrive Subscribe, you'll recognize that we've changed the music a little bit, uh, and that represents a change in the direction for the CPESN portion of the podcast, that Thrive Subscribe uh, collaborative collaboratively works with uh, and so instead of being a COVID-19 practice pearls going forward this will be more of a general platform for CPESN to uh, uh, speak with about what's going on both in the network and within pharmacy so the change in the music represents really a change in direction Uh, so without further ado I'll uh, turn you over to uh, Joe and Ashley
1: hey welcome everybody to today's podcast with Ashley and Joe Uh, We appreciate everybody getting on. I think we've got a a good speaker for you here today. And and we're going to try to give you luminaries some real world insights to probably our, uh, our oldest, not oldest in in years, but luminary who's been, been doing it the longest. Maybe this is luminary number one to the CPSN movement. Um, I I didn't fact check that, but uh, I, I don't, uh, I don't report it to be fake news anyway. Uh, all the way from Macoupin, Iowa, Matt Osterhaus, uh, past president of APHA, past president of IPA, and uh, my personal friend. I, I, I start a lot of these podcasts off by saying this person's a really good guy or really good, a, a really good lady, and. Uh, Probably because they won't won't say no, and I ask him to come on the, the the podcast. But but this guy is one of the nicest guys that, that you'll meet in or outside of pharmacy. And if you have the opportunity to track him down somewhere and and uh, sit at a wine table with him, let him order you a glass of wine because he's he's very knowledgeable uh, in the wine world and, and
2: can set you straight there. So welcome today, Matt. We're glad to have you. Thanks for having me on Joe and Ashley, glad to join you guys.
1: Yep. And as always I'm joined today by uh Ashley Branham the co-host, so Ashley.
3: Hey, good afternoon everybody. I'm glad to be here with you today. Um really excited to have Matt on the on the line today. I know that you know as we look um to best practices, um we you know, we, we're often trying to find um, the beacons of light out there of community pharmacists. And Matt certainly um, meets that criteria, um, particularly as a new pharmacy owner. We're always looking for um, new ideas and mentors and ways to, to, to survive in, um, in this really changing marketplace. And um, today we're hoping that Matt will lead us through, you know, some of his experiences as a pharmacy leader um, in, in many national organizations organizations, a mentor, um, a businessman, a, a, a family man. Um, you know, he 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 gets it all um, and he's um, trying to juggle it all and has done an amazing job um, um, serving as a leader in his community, a leader in his state, and a phenomenal community pharmacist. And so um Matt, again, I, I welcome you today and um, look forward to just having a, a good casual conversation with you about um how to make it all fit in a day.
1: Yeah, uh, quickly, I just, um, when, and I can't remember the date, but this seems like 40 years ago to me, but, but it was probably 2006 or something like that. Uh, I I sat down with Matt and said, Hey, you know, we've got this CPSN thing that we're doing in North Carolina. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we really think that, that some cool stuff is happening out in North Carolina. He was real eager to hear about it. And we told him about it. And I remember him kind of just sitting there and he, he just stroked his mustache a few times. And he said, I think Iowa could get behind that. And we fast forwarded a little bit. Um, and we came up with a luminary program. And the first luminary we thought of uh, was Matt Osterhaus, and And I think he is, uh, exemplified that the whole time he's been a luminary, so uh, that kind of takes us takes us back to the days in the beginning of CPSM. But uh, you know, it it truly started with Matt saying, "Okay, I I think I can go to Iowa and I can round up some folks. We, you know, we're doing this stuff. We we can get behind that. I think we we're you know set for that. So it was a matter of just one man walking away from that table." or probably that glass of wine and and, and going home back to Makoka, Iowa and, and doing it. And so that's today, that's, that's what we want to figure out. How in the world did you do it? Uh, the one thing that, that none of us feel like we have enough of is time. And, and like Ashley said, you, you know, you're a, you're a dedicated husband, father, grandfather, uh, you, you run uh, successful businesses and, and then how do you juggle all of that and um, keep Maryland happy and and be a good steward to your network?
2: Well, I I think there's a few times I don't quite hold the boat up on uh, keeping Maryland happy, but we do our best. But I'll tell you, Joe, I think that first off, I, I have been so blessed to have pharmacy mentors and, and general mentors that have helped me make some good decisions along the way. Um, been, a, been a great, great examples for work ethic and, and looking to see what is the next thing on the horizon. I would, you know, you and I are both blessed with pharmacist fathers and Bob O is certainly uh my been my primary mentor my whole life, and he is was constantly looking to see what could be done next to improve our lot in life you know with within our own family within our the community we lived in, and in the profession of pharmacy and Tom Temple, another great Iowa pharmacist who who gave me lots of stewardship along the way so I think you can—you can either can be, you know, you can either be lucky, or you can make some of your own luck by the people you hang around with. But uh, to start off that way is is certainly puts you a step in the right direction to figure it out. How can you how can you follow your passion to accomplish what really means a lot to you and where you can make an impact? And I I think that. Looking at it in that way to say, you know, you 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 have to start off having the, the the fire in your belly to begin with. But I think the part part about balancing and and utilizing time in a way that that uh, works out best for any individual or for any group really revolves around a having the passion and then where where can you make an impact. So I. You know, take my take my job as a as a father very seriously, and I know that you know kids need direction, even when they're kids that are you know 37 years old that still need direction. But it's it's I I get a lot of joy out of seeing both them my kids overcome you know some of the challenges they've met in life, and you know go with them on the road down and and bring them back up the next day, and it's very much the same. In uh, in you know our, my chosen profession of pharmacy, there's times when things don't look so good, and times when you feel pretty beat up. But if you if you know that you can have an impact, and whether that impacts on your patients, directly on your community, on the staff that you're leading or the organizations you work with, that is what drives you. And when, if you have the drive, then you have to take the pieces of the puzzle and figure out where you where you slot that time. And you know, your story about us getting the Iowa as the first uh, truly, you know, non-North Carolina CPS insight really is about that that general mentorship that we have in this state. So the state association, the colleges of pharmacy that are in Iowa, the board of pharmacy work together and look for opportunities for the way that pharmacists can impact the the citizens of Iowa in a positive way. And they, so that that teamwork together, again, just amplifies the impact. And, and when you can see you're getting stuff done, it, it just kind of pushes you to keep going and keep finding new ways to do it. And so, you know, there's times when you're, you know, you, like I say, you feel like you need more sleep, but uh, if you, if you if you roll out of bed in the morning and even if you're tired if you can see that there's something that's on the horizon that can be a positive it uh, it it just drives you to keep going and i and i think that when we started talking about a network of pharmacies community pharmacies working together to show the impact we can have with patients and show the difference we can make in the healthcare system that is just exactly where our my passion lies. And so, so I was excited about what happened in North Carolina and I knew we could, we could put it together in Iowa. And that's really the the key to me is that, uh, when you can, when you can be part of a bigger thing and have a bigger impact, that's what it's all about.
1: Yep. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so all, all the networks uh, aren't as far along as Iowa, and uh, a, a lot of them have done great things. What would be your one piece of advice to the luminaries about, you, you know, how to how to run your shop but still be illuminated, how to still stay engaged? You know, there are always days that that I try to call you and you say I, I'm. Yeah, you know, I'm working the bench, I'm busy or whatever, but we, but we connect the next day. So what is your, your just one quick pearl on
2: how as a Luminary
1: can you stay engaged?
2: Well, I feel like when you, when you're trying to lead the network within your state, that again, it's, it's about teamwork and it's about being willing to step up. And when the team needs you, fill the role that you can fill best. So Again, very fortunate in Iowa to have a group uh, that's our our state luminaries, our our board of directors that have a different. It's you know it's five different people that have each have a different skill set. All community pharmacists, but everybody's got their niche that they can play most effectively. And so when it comes to the idea that this is what's got to get done this month for the network, it's my role really has been that I'm kind of the director of strategy and trying to figure out who is going to play what role and who needs to do what when. So I'm, as the president of the network, I'm kind of overseeing that, but it's, it, again, it's, it's a, you know, being organized, but also playing to your strengths. So when we have somebody like Randy McDonough, that's on our, on our team, use him where he's going to be most impactful. Don't burn him out. Use him where you can really need him and fill the other gaps with other people. So as as a luminary, I think one of the things you've got to do is identify other people that have the passion that you do, get them on your team, and utilize everybody to their greatest strengths. It's, it is, it, it takes... And that's comm- good advice.
1: That's good advice. Because with a volunteer group, we often try to, be everything to that group. You know, one day you're, you know, working the soup kitchen in the basement of the church and the next day you're preaching. Um, So it sounds like you've delegated duties to to where you have luminaries and individuals on your team that have strength. So that's nice.
3: Yeah. And and the burnout comment, that's real. I mean, um, particularly when, you know, a lot of the luminaries and the leadership across a nation that are working with their networks you know they they have other things going on um and and to, to come and try to organize a network and and still keep their business afloat and um, still make sure that they're on gone for the soccer game that they have to be at you know that that weighs on you over time and um and the burnout can happen you know I think you, you mentioned earlier on that you have to have a passion that drives you. And as you as you look back at your day-to-day activities, what's the most fun about this to you? What 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 makes you wake up every day and tackle a new you know leadership role or walk into your pharmacy and start something new that you you've not been able to offer before? How how do you keep going every day? What what makes what's the fun part about it all?
2: I I thrive on. Um... Teaching and I thrive on opening doors for other people to be successful. There's just there's nothing that is more satisfying to me to see a student that we have here all of a sudden get it that this is why we ask this set of questions in this situation to get someplace. And it's the same thing with other pharmacists having a pharmacy that you know has been plugging along trying to get services going in their in their own pharmacy and they finally get the team together right to say, hey, we are getting blood pressures taken and recorded and we're documenting, you know, we came over and visited Osterhouse Pharmacy and we saw what you guys were doing and now we're doing it. That to me brings me great pride and great satisfaction. And and I think that when you think about the opportunities that CPSN networks are giving to, you know, a pharmacy like ours, it's a rural, you know, we have, one one community site, one long term care site, but there aren't any employers that are clamoring to sign a you know a contract with one pharmacy. They're looking for somebody that connects them to a network and having a network and being able to you know see the talks that we're having with different with different payers right now in Iowa, and to not only be able to a get a contract that you, looks like hey this is gonna this is gonna help us financially get paid for the kind of services that we love to provide. But B, you're going to, you can see that you're impacting patients and, and seeing their health outcomes improve at the same time and documenting that care and, and, you know, just showing what you really can do when you put your mind to it. You know, I, I, I think that success breeds success. When you can win a couple of those, it really pushes you in the direction of, I'm going to go after more.
1: So, yeah, you had a good point. I mean. Uh, you made a good point that that uh, you know you've got payers in Iowa and and we've got payers across the U.S. It's not a it, it's no longer I think this ideal work it it's it is working it's working uh, all across the U.S. with multiple payers it's not a proof of concept it it you know it's really working out there. W- what piece of advice would you give would you give a luminary or network facilitator that, to to stress that message when they're trying to recruit pharmacies or they're trying to to go talk to payers.
2: Well I think I think the thing that I would say, Joe, is that everybody who is any kind of an employer or a healthcare practitioner is a potential payer to our network. So any hospital you work with in any way, shape or form, if you can find a pain point that they have that involves improving the care of either the patients they serve or the people they employ, you have an end. You, you're already, if you're in a community where you're dealing with that hospital as a, as a provider, you can show them there's more that we can do. Uh, you know, any size employer, they've got to they, you know, they're, they're going someplace to buy the health insurance for their employees. And, you know, Right now we're focusing across the state, the, the CPS and sites in Iowa, trying to identify small or regional employers that we already know they've got crappy, you know, pharmacy insurance because we're on the we're on the, the the receiving end of that. So so let's let's identify who in that company we can talk to and say, We'd love to give you a better option and this is what we've got and Starting those conversations. There's, I, I think the key is there's, there's nobody that is too small that you shouldn't approach to find out if there's a way that the services that we provide their, you know, uh, mutual patients and or their employees that uh, that's, that there's nobody too small to to start talking to. And as you as you start making those contacts. It's uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a, They say a lot of times, you know, you got to talk to somebody seven different times to sell them something that, that they maybe aren't com- totally convinced that they need. So it's not a one-time thing. You got to stay with it, but there's, it's you just got to, you got to not be afraid to make the first step and say we've got something that could help you. You know, it's those, it's identifying those pain points and then getting the contact and staying with it, and that's, you know, that's what we've been doing and. Happy to say, we've got we had a meeting going on this afternoon with some of the luminaries from Iowa that they're working on a new one. So it's if you keep at it, and this is this is a this is a Medicaid MCO that basically told us they wanted us a meeting, and then for probably three or four months it took us to get the meeting schedule after they said they were interested in this. We just kept at them, got them today. So hopefully we keep moving
3: it. Matt, without going into too much detail around the programs, um, is your network currently involved in a or or multiple active payer programs um, that have been established and implemented, or are you still in in the negotiation phase with some of them?
2: No, we've got we've got one significant Medicare Part D uh, plan that's that we are. Just entering into our third year with um, as a network, that's uh, been that's been very significant. In you know, a case like ours, I think we're you know we're looking at with with our pharmacy, we're managing about 50 or 60 of those patients. We've got a, another private insurer who established their own network right before we established CPS in Iowa, um, so they've got a network of uh, commercial insurance but they established the network, but about two thirds of their network are part of our network. So it's not an official contract with CPS in Iowa, but that, that one we're managing about 500 patients, uh, within just within the Osterhaus pharmacy, uh, part of that. And so we've got a couple contracts out there that are successful. Um, they, you know, we'd love to get if we can get a managed care Medicaid contract that covers the whole state that gets everybody in our network actively involved in it, we're, we're on the cusp. We hope of that they're looking at an August 1st, uh, implementation of the one that we're meeting with them today on. So it's, uh, it's real, but it, it does take a stick to it to, uh, to get these over the finish line. That is phenomenal.
3: And it, and for our listeners, if you're, you know, catching on to what Matt says, I mean, he's, that's significant numbers of of patients just in your pharmacy, um, that you're getting paid to do services for on, you know, in addition to our traditional dispensing. So that's huge. I would love to have something like that in my day-to-day operations. What, what does that, um, what does that mean for you in your pharmacy on day-to-day? Is that, um, you know, is it, Enrolling more patients in adherence programs, is it increasing your delivery? You know, what? How is it impacting the, the the model of services that you're providing?
2: Well, I think it it has it's encouraged us when we when we've had more opportunities for for those direct pharmacy services. It's it's encouraged us to be more more efficient with our MedSync program because we found that. If, you know anybody who's enrolled in a in some type of a of a direct pay for services if we can get them on med sync that puts them into a piece where we're having that regular conversation with them when they do come in you're you know maybe post covid when they actually start coming into the pharmacy again the uh you know, you've got you're ready for them, and you have your your you've got the time, and you've got the you've you've got the workup partially done when they walk in the door. So it can be a very efficient process when you're meeting with them. And we're doing you know we're doing a lot of those by phone uh, these days because of the we still aren't open in the front end. But uh, but it's it 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 pushes you to make sure that you've got pharmacists that are ready for those care. Care services when the patient is uh, is available for them, whether it be by phone or whether it be in person. So, um, so it, and it and it's an all hands on deck. You know the technicians are involved in in setting some of the the appointments up and 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 providing some of the the data so that when it, when the sick patient comes down to the pharmacist, they've got everything to check at once. Uh, the students that are on that 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 are here are part of the process doing workups on patients prior to them coming in and meeting with patients when, when they do come in. So it's, it, when, when you have a focus on providing patient care services, it, it, it sort of takes me as the manager and says, we've got to be more efficient on the rest of this operation if we're going to be ready to to take advantage of those on an ongoing basis. And, And we've got a, I've got a very dedicated staff that's, very talented staff that uh are both pharmacists and technicians that uh that and support people that that make it happen every day.
3: That's exciting and and I you know I think that for all the listeners we we're, we're anxious to get to that point and and if you haven't joined your network you might want to reach out to your lumin luminaries and figure out how so that you can get involved in payer opportunities like like Matt's describing because this is um it it sounds like it's changing the way you practice and um uh, you're not relying only on dispensing fees to to make ends meet on a daily basis so I wish you the best of luck in your current negotiations that are going on I I hope there's so many that you have to have multiple people managing it. Um, it sounds like you're <laughs> <We> making tremendous, <laughs> tremendous impact in Iowa.
2: Yeah. I, our, our goal is to, we would like to get to where 20% of our revenue is, is direct service revenue. And I think we've got the potential to do that over the next five years. Um, we, you know, we've got a long way to go to get there, but we, we, I, we have the team ready for that. If we can, if we can get the opportunities to, to truly, uh, you know, get paid for the care that we provide and that we document. And I think that you know, I think the when you look at how successful a network can be, you know, when you go out and try and get a contract, you've you've got to have. I mean, the 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 weakest link in your network is 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 how people will judge you in the long run. So so you need to make sure that as a luminary that you're we're reaching out to the sites that. Are struggling a little bit to get their feet on the ground and but also trying to identify sites that ways to grow our network to to fill in the gaps and geographically where we need uh, need providers and and or and we're always looking for the best providers so so we as luminaries really look to you know how do you get one more to fill that spot and and so we're we, I've really charged our entire board and everybody in our membership to be thinking about that. That uh, if you go to a meeting and you're talking to a pharmacist who's, you know, really has passion to provide patient care, or you just say you walk away from a conversation and say that that lady really knows her stuff, you know, about diabetes. Wow, those are the kind of people. It's like, where do you practice? You know, are you part of our network? So. Of course, we aren't going to as many meetings right now, but I think even if you're on a virtual meeting, you find somebody who's, you know, putting stuff in the comment field, you know, trying to identify who that is and say, you know, we'd like you to come along because uh, the strength of the network is that you you appeal to to a payer that that you have not only coverage, but you've also got people that are going to follow through and, and meet the needs of the patients they're serving.
3: So um you touched on um something that I think a lot of pharmacies struggle with and, and you you just articulated you have a team that's ready, but you're waiting on those opportunities. You're prepared and you're ready. How did you get your team ready? I I know there's no magic formula for it, but you know, what what made them so motivated? I know that you you know, that's something you it's hard to teach, but maybe hiring the right individuals is key to that. But what else did you do as an environment of your pharmacy and a culture of your pharmacy to promote this readiness for this type of service delivery?
2: Well, I think that it does start with the leadership of a practice showing that they are willing to, to go the extra mile themselves. You know, when we, back in the, you know, in the nineties, when we started the pharmaceutical care movement in Iowa, uh, you know, we were going to meetings at night, sharpening our clinical skills, trying to figure out what's the best way to, to really, you know, motivate patients to be a, a bigger part of their own uh, health care, but also what can we do that's not getting done by anybody else in the healthcare system and really taking on our role. And, you know, at that time, you know, my dad was 63, 64 years old or whatever he was at the time. And... He was—he was, you know, still the the patriarch of this pharmacy, and he was driving the 35 miles to go to these meetings and sharpen his clinical skills. And I think when, when you as a young pharmacist look and see that that's the kind of, uh, you know, that's the kind of person we're looking for in this team, you're you're inspired to say, well. Gosh, if he's doing that, I can certainly do it, and and so I've tried to carry that on. I, you know, but most of my most of the pharmacists and our staff are substantially younger than me, and you know, but I try and show them that I'm I'm interested in learning on an ongoing basis. I want them to be too. I think we really try and hire people that we sense are going to be lifelong learners and that like to teach because, you know, when you have, again, you go back to somebody who's got a a higher affinity for one part of what we do and they can inspire others in your team to do it. But I think it takes that, that, you know, that incentive from the top to say this is important. And and there's lots of different ways to show that either, you know, both monetarily or other perks you can give your pharmacists and, and your staff people that, that, follow through and do great things and we try and, you know, on an ongoing basis, make sure that people can stay motivated to to provide the best care and to to be both learners and teachers.
1: Well Matt, we would we would love to talk to you all day. I I always enjoy our conversations, but we're 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 getting to that uh, top of the Saturday morning hour where we have to wrap it up. Um, so so what I've heard or the take home that I've got from this as a luminary is is one, you've got to assemble a team and and look at that team and and let people do what they're good at and where their strengths are. Don't allow them to do everything for the network. Just just focus on what they're really good. And the second thing is I heard is is be persistent. Um, Don't just because you explained it to a pharmacy one time and they didn't jump on the opportunity to join, go back to them and, and keep asking, or just because you talked to a pair one time and, and they didn't say, okay, let's do it, you know, stay with them and, and keep being persistent. Uh, I, I think of a of a recent CBV, CBD vendor that came by um, wanting us to stop that CBD, and the first time they came by, we were crazy busy, it was the middle of the COVID, and we didn't you know it wasn't that we didn't like it or didn't want to consider doing it. we just it wasn't good timing, and I think they came by six more times and and finally, on the sixth time we we pulled the trigger and did it and It was not that we were resistant in any of those five times. it was just we didn't either know where it fit in or it just wasn't good timing on it so so their persistence really paid off, and that's what I'm hearing you um with your network who, who is obviously very successful and, and you guys, I applaud you in, in Iowa for all you've done and, and you personally, Matt, for all you've done to to help share how you got that success to, to all over the country. So, uh, Ashley, I'll, I'll throw it off to you to wrap it up.
3: Absolutely. Well, you, you wrapped it up really nicely, Joe and, and Matt, you, um, are just a shining light to all of us in community pharmacy practice. And we really appreciate your time being on the line today to share what I think is some really insightful advice um, for all community pharmacies um, out there that are trying to, to figure this out and um, be, be successful entrepreneurs. And, and you, um, you've certainly been a guiding light for that. So thank you so much for your time today.
2: I appreciate the opportunity, Joe and Ashley. And I, you know, I would tell people that, uh, you know, look out there at what you're, what you're passionate about, look out there, what your goals are. And a lot of people don't make their goals, not from lack of ability but from lack of commitment. So stay committed. The fight, the good fight is worth the fight.
0: The CPESN podcast is brought to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. Production assistance is given by Mike Deniger and Suzanne Feeney. For more information, visit us online at cpesn.com and tptransformations.com.